So we, we are in a series. Uh, it's a kind of a pseudo-series because it's kind of summer and we're just pretty chill. So a series is like just we're just preaching what we want uh, kind of series, but we call it Summer Stunner because we know that they're going to be good sermons. Um, and, and I really feel actually to preach today, and, and I feel this year is a year of the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't, what I don't mean is that it's a year of um, we're going to be falling down on the floor and rolling around laughing and doing crazy things in the Holy Spirit and, and like having some kind of weird revival. Although, you know, who knows what God may do? I'm not ruling anything out. But I feel like this is a year to lean in to the Spirit of God and to be led by Him, to be drawn close to Him in intimacy with Him. Because I don't know about you, but I, I feel I need to be led by by God more and more. As I get older, as I mature, I realize how much more I need the grace of God in my life, how much I need to rely on the Holy Spirit. And if, if last year did anything for you, hopefully it made you realize, actually, we need God's help to make sense of this world. We need God's help to, to get through the, the craziness because, you know, 2020, it's behind us, but who knows what 2021 is going to hold? There's an uncertainty there. And, uh, yeah, I really feel that, that more than anything, we just need to lean in to the Holy Spirit. So today I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. Um, and it's, it's interesting. I think we often walk around as Christians without recognizing or acknowledging a need for the Holy Spirit, which is crazy, right? Because actually we can't do a Christian walk without the Holy Spirit. It's actually impossible. If you try, you'll just be some legalistic moralist who's got these rules that you've got to live by, and you're just trying to, and, and you won't make it, for one thing, and you'll annoy a whole lot of people on the journey, because how many of you know that people who are legalistic and moralizing and just um, think they've got it all together and like to tell other people how they should live their lives are not particularly fun to be around? No? Okay. Um, you are one of those people. We're going to change that today. Because um, that's what the world thinks the Christians are like. Groups of people go to church. They do good things. They don't do bad things. And they get all judgy about the people who do do bad things. And uh, they get a ticket to heaven at the end. And, um, that's, and that's kind of actually what Western culture thinks of Christians. They think they're kind of you know, nice but deluded. Sometimes judgy kind of people. And uh, to be honest, without the Holy Spirit, that's what we will become. That's, that's actually a scary thought. And, and so here's the reality. God is, God is a God of relationship. And He wants relationship with us. And He calls us to walk in relationship with Him. Because God's very nature is relationship. Um, I, I want to show you a scripture. They've given me this thing again. They trust me with it. I'm not sure that's wise. Oh, it's got a... Did I just blind someone with a... Ah, I got a laser pointer. Let's do this instead. It's on. There we go. Just pointing in the wrong direction. This is what Ephesians 2.18 says. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. So there's a picture of the Trinity right there. See, God in His very nature is community. He is relationship. There is, he's, it's a mystery in it, but there's an interaction there. And so we come to God the Father, it says here, through the Holy Spirit because of what Jesus has done. So there's, a, there's all three of them are working together, but it's through the Holy Spirit 
that we come to God. So you're fooling yourself to think that you can live a Christian life without the Holy Spirit. If you're just trying to grit, grit your teeth and grin and bear it and be, be a good Christian, then it's not going to happen. You're just going to become annoying <laughs> and, and moralizing and legalistic. Connect with the Holy Spirit. Be led by the Holy Spirit. Be filled by the Holy Spirit. And today I hope I'm stirring something in you today to draw close to the Holy Spirit, to essentially draw close to God because He is the Holy Spirit. That's part of His nature. So I want to give you some, some keys to help you fulfill that hunger later on. But first of all, I just want to un, unwrap a little bit about why we need the Holy Spirit in our lives. Why do we need the Holy Spirit in our lives? And my first reason is because by ourselves, we're useless. Well, I'll phrase it another way. By ourselves, we are ineffective. John, um, but you could say useless. <laughs> John 15, 1 to 5 says this, I am the true vine. This is Jesus speaking. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch from me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Sorry, I'll keep going. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And get this. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Well, nothing. <laughs> so this is Jesus speaking here, and he's talking about fruit coming from our lives. And it's interesting. Fruit grows on trees. It grows on vines. It grows on plants. And, and sometimes I think, we think, that, that producing fruit in our lives is, is a bit like a chicken laying an egg. Like, so, so yesterday I was out in the garden, and my, my daughter came, came down. She's like, what are the chickens doing? They're making this racket. And Izzy's like, something's going on. There's something wrong. Because they're like, bark, bark, bark. And I, that, I said, you know what they're doing, Izzy? They're laying an egg. Like that's, and she opened the little um, um, hutch box thing where they sit to lay an egg. And yeah, there was a chicken in there, and it was laying an egg. I was like, that's, that's the noise they make. They're not upset. They're not, you know... Going crazy. They're just laying in here. Gotta be like chickens. We've got to kind of force it out. We've got to just try really hard, maybe make some weird noises. I don't know. But, but we've got to just grin and, and we'll force out good fruit from our lives. No, that's not how you make good fruit. That's how you make an egg. <laughs> you make good fruit is you just remain connected to the tree, to the vine. The very nature of a tree, the very nature of a vine is if, if it's, you know, well watered and tended and it gets sunlight, then it will just produce fruit. You don't have to strive and struggle and push it out. It just happens. So the, that's what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. And you go, okay, well, fruit. I don't really want to be producing bananas and oranges. What are, what are you talking about? Um, so we need to go to some other scriptures to, to work out what that fruit is. But essentially... In our, in our being, there is a, if you're a Christian, there's the Holy Spirit, but there's also your flesh or your, um, a better word term for it rather than flesh is actually your, 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 your sinful nature. Um, and there's a, there's a battle going on. Galatians 5 talks about this, so we'll, um, we'll have a read of that 
So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. And there's a big list of them. Sexual immorality, impurity and, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. If we live, we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So those, that's, that's the list of fruit that Jesus is talking about. The fruit of our lives, when we stay connected to the Holy Spirit, when we're aware of Him working in our hearts, when He's changing us from the inside out, we will naturally produce these good things. We'll produce love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. And the list goes on. God is the gardener, so He will tend to the vine. He will look after it. All you need to do, all you need to do is stay connected. And that might, you might, well, that sounds pretty easy. But so often we disconnect ourselves. We unplug from, I'm going to give you some hints, some, some ways that we can stay connected later on. But that's the first reason. The first reason is that by ourselves, Jesus tells us, we can't produce fruit. If we're just trying to do it, we're just like a chicken straining to lay an egg. Okay, number two, the second re reason why we need to stay connected to the Holy Spirit is because the Spirit goes where our intellect can't. The Spirit goes where our intellect can't. See, we live in, a, in an age of reason, right? We live in an age where you, you can work everything out, or at least society thought so. You know, and, and it's interesting, the rise in conspiracy theorists and theories in this day and age is... It's, you go, where are, where are these things coming from? I think part of it is that for like 30, 40 years, uh, and even further back, you go all the way back to the Enlightenment, mankind has kind of thought, oh, we can work things out. We're really smart. We can reason everything out, and we can make a utopia. We can make a beautiful world if we just, you know, science work things out. We can make the perfect society. The thing is, though, we've been trying this for a while, and it's not got any better. In fact, the world has got kind of worse, and, and the rates of, of, of mental health issues and fear and anxiety, they're, they're on the rise. There, there, there's, you, you, just, you, know, you just need to look at the world today and realize, actually, sciencing it out, working it out by reason is not actually fixing things. And in response to that, I think people are just clutching at straws. They're going online and they're, they're removing their reason and they're just believing whatever they see. Um, you see how your Facebook feed is actually feeding into your own fears and anxieties. Um, it's, it's a little bit scary. But what the world has done, it's kind of elevated reason above everything else. 
Now, there's nothing wrong with reason. I like to work things out, and I think smart people are cool, and I think we should all try and be smarter, okay? So don't, don't believe what I'm not saying, that we should all just be dumb Christians that, you know, just, just blind our eyes to, to science and, and you, know, you know, to facts. That's not what I'm saying. But what we need to do is we need to have reason in its rightful place. God is the ultimate authority. You know, society kind of does this, but reason above everything else, above God. We can work it all out, and of course, we can't. We don't even know what holds the, world, the universe together. They still haven't worked out what makes atoms actually stay together. What, how, you know, the universe, every answer they get, they just ask a whole other set of questions. And so I think we, as, as a community, we need to, to, to go, okay, look, I need reason. I need to, you know, think things through, and God will use our reason, but we need to never elevate that above God. Because how many of you know that the Holy Spirit can speak over and above our reason? Sometimes we think, oh, you know, God will say something and, and he, you go, God, this doesn't make any sense. Why should I do this? I, I can do, and you can reason out why you shouldn't do that. And yet it is still the right thing to do because God is telling you to do it. Uh, if you want a really recent example, Matt and Ellie, it was their last week with us. Last week, we farewelled them. They've gone up to Auckland for six or 12 months um, to pursue the call of God in their lives. It makes no logical sense that they should do this. They're leaving their, you know, Matt's family are down here. They're leaving uh, their church family here. They're leaving good jobs. They're leaving their community, their connection. They're selling their house. They're going to a place where rent is ridiculous. Um, it makes no logical sense for them to do that, right? And yet the call of God is on them. And, and they've tested it, and they've, and they've put, you know, they've asked people who they trust, they've submitted it to God and to others around, and they've gone, no, this is actually, this is what God is calling us to do. And so we're going to take a step of faith in there. And see, that's what the Spirit can do. It can actually go beyond where your intellect can. The Spirit taps into the unknown. Because how many of you know you don't know as much as God? And as much reasoning as you may think you can do, you're never going to outreason God. You're never going to figure him out. You're never going to understand the mysteries of the universe. See, John 4, 24 says, God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. We don't remove truth. We don't remove reason. But there is, we worship him in spirit because he is a spirit. And it's actually arrogance for us to think that we can outreason him. <laughs> to think, actually, well, no, God, you've told me to do this, but I, I can't work out how that works, so I'm not going to do it. Well, guess what? <laughs> you know, he's God and you're not. You can't outreason him. So, so just be obedient to trust. See, it comes down to trust. God, every relationship that you have with someone is based on trust, right? You trust them. And, and, and they love you, and you open up your world to them. It's the same with God. To have a relationship with God, you've got to take a step of trust. And that's why we, it's a beautiful thing, because it's essentially saying, I trust you, God. I don't understand everything about you. I don't understand this world that I'm living in, and I don't understand how you work, but I'm going to choose to trust you. And that is what God loves. He responds to that step of faith, essentially, that step of choosing to trust and so we need to be in touch with the Spirit because it moves us into a place of trust. It moves us into a place of, okay, 
I'm just going to take one step at a time with you, God. I'm going to trust where you're leading me because that's what a relationship is like. My third reason is, is simply because life and growth are found in the Spirit. Life and growth in our lives are found in the Spirit. We're all, we're all looking for fulfillment, right? We're all looking for a life that, that makes sense. And life in the Spirit is, is where we find that. And it's where we grow as well. It's where the church grows. Acts 2, you know, the Holy Spirit comes and then Peter preaches off the back of it and, and the church just explodes. So the church grows when we, when we walk in the Spirit, but also we grow. Fulfillment in your life doesn't come from achieving goals. You know, going, yes, I've done that. Creating financial security in your life is not going to give you true fulfillment. Having a good life with your friends and family, the things that the world tells you are going to fulfill your life, don't actually. They are good things. Don't get me wrong. They are good things, and I think God wants you to have them, but ultimately they will be unfulfilling if you don't have Christ in the center. There will always be a gap where, where God should be, where that purpose and that direction and that, that fulfillment is. It's not just life, though, that, that we need and fulfillment we need. We need growth. Actually, that's a part of it is that we grow. Part of a living a fulfilling life is that you grow and change. Yeah, you don't ever just get saved and stay the same. That's not the Christian of a plant. A vine, it grows and it spreads to produce more and more fruit. It just doesn't stay a little sapling all its life. And too many, too many Christians, they kind of stop growing because they forget this principle. They're like, oh, I'm a Christian now, and I come to church occasionally, and there, that's it. I'll go to heaven. <laughs> no, Jesus is saying, no, you need to stay close to me so that you will grow and produce fruit. Because you, as you do that, you become fully formed in the likeness of Christ. And I don't know you all very well, but I know that none of you are like Jesus just yet. You've still got a ways to go, okay? So we've all got some growing left to do. There's no age that you reach. There's no stage in life you reach where you're like, oh, sweet, I'm good. I'm like Jesus. <laughs> if you think that, you're pretty far from it, <laughs> can I tell you? So life and growth are found in the Spirit. So, okay, there's a few good reasons. You're probably like, yeah, okay, Dave, we need the Spirit. Gotcha. How? How do we do this? How do we do this? I've got three keys, and uh, yeah, let's dive into them. Number one is by developing a rule of life. Write this down. A rule of life. Now, rule of life is a strange phrase. Uh, I'm not talking rules of life, so it's not a bunch of things you have. It's, a, it's an old-fashioned term. It's, it's like a schedule or set of practices that make abiding with Jesus the center point of life. Let me say that again. A rule of life is a schedule or set of practices that make abiding with Jesus the center point of your life. So the, the word rule there, it's not like a strict law. It actually comes from the original Latin for rule, which we, we translate um, uh, as the word we translate as rule was originally the word for a trellis. An analogy, this picture of, of the vine. So a rule of life is like a trellis that supports the vine which produces the fruit. It's nice, nice, isn't it? Nice picture. So it's, it's developing practices and rhythms that help us create space to be with Jesus. 
in our everyday life. And as we do that, we become more like him. And as we do that, we produce fruit. So, so it's, it's all in that. And I encourage you, go away and read John 15. It's, not, it's my favorite passage in the Bible. Talk that, that whole story, that, that analogy that Jesus uses of, of him being the vine, we being the branches. But in the same way, a vine needs a trellis to lift it off the ground so it can bear the maximum amount of fruit and keep free of predators and diseases. We need a rule of life to kind of support and to structure and organize our life so that we can produce fruit, so we can abide in the vine. Because we might be connected to Jesus, but you know our vine is just running along the ground. And it's rotting, the fruit is rotting, and the bugs and the snails are eating them, and it's not actually producing anything that you want to eat. Right? And I've, I've read somewhere that we achieve inner peace when our schedule is aligned with our values. Our schedule is aligned with our values, then we have a sense of order in our life. And, and, and that's what a rule of life does. So if we say as a Christian, okay, connecting with Jesus, that's my, that's my aim, that's what I want to do, then you need to put a schedule in place to make that happen. Okay? If my highest priority is to, to, to know Jesus and be known by him, then, then what am I doing to support that? What am I actually doing? If you're sitting there going, this sounds like hard work, it's not. It's life-giving, okay? So don't freak out. Um, what does that rule of life include? Well, guess what? It's your rule for your life, so you've got to do it. I'm not going to tell you. I can make some suggestions of things that need to go in there, but actually, people have been debating this for centuries, like the first maybe three or four hundred years, the church was kind of sorting out their theology, they were debating that. Then after that, the main arguments have kind of been around the rule of life and how we do it. And there's, there's Benedictine rules and Augustinian and St. Patrick and all these different ideas about how we should structure our lives to draw close to Jesus. But there are some basics we'll, we'll, we'll touch on. But actually, before I even go there, I just want you to realize every, everything you do, every habit you have is actually your rule of life. So you... You gotta get your mind. You've already got a rule of life. You just don't maybe because the way you interact with your wife or your husband, the way you treat your kids, the way you do the dishes, the way you look at your phone, the way you commute to work—all those things—they are forming your life. See, we're not formed in isolation. The things we do are shaping us as we go along, right? And so we have already got a rule of life. We just perhaps don't recognize it. So all the habits that we have already are our rule of life. So if you have a habit of coming home and flicking on the TV and watching an hour of TV before dinner, whatever you do, that's your rule of life. That's your habit that is shaping you. You think, oh, I'm just doing this because I choose to. No, no, you've been doing it so long, you don't choose to do it anymore. It's a habit. That's your rule of life. And here's a scary thought. Tech companies have a rule of life for you. Going back to that. Big, big tech wants you to spend as much as you, of your life looking at your screen as possible. That's their rule of life for you. Because that equates to money for them through advertising. So if you're not paying for something on, online, then chances are you are the product, and your eyeballs are actually what they want. So you see, they have a rule of life for you. You better just get smarter than them and start forming your own rule of life. Start forming your own habits instead of just drifting along and being ruled by a big tech company that all they really want is your money. 
And the habits you are, they shape who you become. I think, here's, here's another, another idea. We live in a very goal-oriented society, right? But if you go back in history, the word goal has only been around kind of since the 20th century or in, in common use and since like kind of the early 1900s. Before that, in people don't talk about achieving goals and stuff. It's a very Western, modern kind of concept. And we, are, we think, oh, I've got to have a goal for my life. I've got to have... Jesus never talked about having goals for your life. And this, so this whole idea of, 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 become, of connecting with the vine, it's a very organic thing. It's not about achieving a goal like, you know, orcharding today is we're going to have a yield of crop and it's all about producing this much. And we've kind of, we've turned it into that, but it's not. It's not a goal, it's a formation. I think formation is a, is a lot better word for it. So if you maybe in your mind replace goals about who I want to become with formation, it's more about who I'm becoming rather than what I'm achieving. Because here's the idea of the right things, just by natural consequence. Because goal's about, you know, doing things and achieving a goal, whereas Jesus was more about, hey, walk this path, and you'll become this person. Walk this way, and you'll become like me. And along the way, you might achieve some stuff, and that's cool. But actually, we need to rewrite that whole idea about having, you know, vision and goals. And, the, and it's, it's okay to set goals. I'm not saying don't ever set a goal in your life again. But when we think about our, our walk, with God, it's far more about that formation, what God's doing inside of us, than it is about achieving any external goals. Because how many of you know you can achieve your goals and still feel empty on the inside, right? You go like, oh, I've done it. Uh, I don't feel any different. And that's actually, yeah, it's, it's a hollow thing to do. So, so let, let's just think about it and, and, and delight our lives in 2021, more around, okay, Holy Spirit, what are you forming in me? This year, what are you? What are you changing? What are you growing in me? Rather than what are the goals I'm going to achieve? Because how many of you know that you know your New Year's resolution goals? You're not going to meet them. You've probably already failed on the number of times you're going to go to the gym that you said you were already. Um, just, <laughs> just think, think, think broader than that. Think, okay, God, what are you forming in me? And as far as what you put into your rule of life, well, here's some ideas. Prayer. I think it's got to start in prayer. Prayer is just us connecting with God, talking with God. Uh, I've, I've decided to, to just spend 20 minutes just listening to God each day, just, just reading a, a passage in the Bible and then just sitting with God for 20 minutes. And I tell you, it's, it's transforming me from the inside out. It's a slow process. It's not instant fruit, but I know that over time it's changing me. Sabbath, actually having a Sabbath is like having a day of rest and recreation and not doing stuff to earn and reforming and reconnecting with God. I think we all need to actually practice the Sabbath. It's one of those things that we kind of shuffle off to the side, but it's so life-giving. Worship, just making space to worship God, community coming together like this, sleep, having good sleep patterns in your life, family time, making sure you're connecting with, you know, all those things are a, a a rule of life that we need to create. And as I say, I can't make yours for you, but I encourage you in the next week, go away. Go, okay, what are the things that are going to make me connect with Jesus 
so that oh, that's number one, create a rule of life. Number two, I think one of the key, key ways that we connect with the Holy Spirit is that we just come together in one place. Acts 2. This is when the Holy Spirit first came. And guess what? When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And then suddenly a sound like a, the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. They were all together in one place, and then the Holy Spirit came. And I think we miss out on these moments with the Holy Spirit when we just kind of don't come together. And we've got, to, we've got to push back against the world, which is just all about individuation. It's all about just doing your own thing and being, being you know, uh, on your, on your, see, people think we're connecting on our devices. You're not connecting on your device. It's a, it's a shallow form of connection. Even just the, the structure of, of how we house today in Western society. You know, you used to have a village and it was around a, a, a central point. People would gather together. The way we do community, the way everything's arranged in the West, it's, it's, it's separating us out. And people are becoming more and more isolated. That's why anxiety and loneliness are such an epidemic in the West. But the Holy Spirit pours out when we come together. Jesus says, where two or three are gathered, there am I amongst you. So it doesn't have to be this big a gathering, although I think these are important. But I think just a couple of you coming together, the Holy Spirit can move. We had a, a, a beautiful time yesterday afternoon with, with our key leadership team. We just gathered together and we prayed for one another and the Holy Spirit prophesied through us. and we, it, was, it was awesome. We do that when we create those spaces to come together. And can I encourage you this, this year, get into an e-group. In February, we're going to be relaunching e-groups. That's where we come together and the Holy Spirit can move in that space and can encourage you and bless you. And Sunday, I think sometimes the Western church is too focused on Sunday, but actually Sunday is really important. Sunday is key for us to come together and let the Holy Spirit move in our midst. So come into this space regularly. Weekly. That's my number two, is we need to come together. And number three, and invite the band up, it'd be awesome, is we need to be just simply be obedient to what the Holy Spirit says. See, there are, it's a relationship, as I said before, but it's not like a relationship where it's your friend and he suggests something you should do, but you just kind of ignore him um, because sometimes he has wacky ideas. Uh, it's more a father-son, father-daughter relationship where the father actually knows best. Are you my daughter's here today? No. Uh, the father actually knows best. And, and so he says, hey, do this. And you've obviously got two options. You can ignore it and not do it, or you can be obedient. And I think so often we don't move forward in our relationship with God because actually we... We haven't done the last thing that the Holy Spirit has told us to do. And if you've reached a, a plateau, if you think, oh, I'm not moving forward. I, I feel like just going round and round the, the, the same, you know, merry-go-round and, and my life is not shifting. Well, I want to I ask you this question. What is the last thing God has asked you to do? What is the last prompting 
that you have kind of gone, oh gosh, that's a bit hard. <laughs> Don't ask me to do that, God. What is, what is the thing that, that God has is, is just gently been saying to you? Hey, you need to do writing a letter or giving them a phone call and saying, hey, I'm sorry for hurting you this way. Or maybe it's asking for forgiveness. Or maybe it's forgiving them in your heart. Maybe it's giving something away. Maybe God said, hey, actually, I want you to be generous. And you're like, no, I can't afford to do that. You can't afford not to if God's telling you to do it. Maybe it's, it's tithing. Maybe it's giving regularly. Uh, maybe it's doing, doing that, that thing that you know God's been asking you to do, like that prayer time that you keep getting prompted to do, but you've just not got around to doing. Maybe it's applying for a new job. Maybe it's quitting your old job. Maybe it's leading an e-group. Maybe it's um, going around and meeting your neighbor. I don't know what it is for you, but God is, I believe, God is asking you to do some things because he's got a relationship. He wants to grow in that, and we grow in that when we are obedient. So I just want to encourage you to stand to your feet today. I'm not going to talk much longer, but I really want us to create a space where the Holy Spirit can move and interact with us. And these guys can, can play beautiful music in the background and I can, I can, you know, encourage you and challenge you. But ultimately what it takes is us to have an open heart. I want to be open to you. I want to connect with you in this space. And as we do that, He's going to speak. He's going to minister. He's going to change us from the inside out. So I guess what I want to ask, and we're going to, we're going to do some listening to God, because how many know that it's a two-way conversation? It's not just ask, asking, for, asking things for God or from God, but actually we come to Him and we, we listen. So maybe you know already what that thing is God's been asking you to do. Maybe you've known for a while. Or maybe you don't know what that next step is. Well, we're going to have a listen. We're going to ask God. And I believe He's going to whisper something to you. He's going to give you that next step. That's going to unlock something for you. Because here's, here's the idea. I see kind of our lives are like a, we're walking through a series of rooms. And each room is locked, but there's a, there's, a, there's a key hole there. The key to unlocking that door is the step of obedience that God's asked you to do. And so if you're going to go into the next room of your life, into the next step of the stage or whatever it is, the level that, you ha- that God has for you, you need to, in obedience, do the thing that He's asked you to do. And as you do that, you unlock the door and you walk in through it. But how many you know, you're just going to wander around and around this room that you're getting a bit frustrated with and in because you haven't actually done the thing that God's asked you to do. Maybe the thing that God has asked you to do is to raise your hand today and give your life to Him. Maybe the thing that God's asked you to do is to come down and humble yourself and come down the front and say, I need prayer for this area of my life. Maybe the thing that God's asking you to do is to go and forgive someone in your world. I don't know what it is for you, but God does and He wants to say what that is now. So let's close our eyes and let's open our hearts and let's pray. Father, Thank you that you speak to us because you are a God of relationship. You want us to grow in trust of you. And you want us to grow in relationship with you. So, so Lord, we invite you now by your Holy Spirit.
speak to us. Either remind us, God, of the last thing you've told us that we need to do. Or right now, speak something fresh. Speak a now word for us that you want us to be obedient to so that we can, in 2021, go through that door. It will swing wide and we'll go into the, the new thing. We're just going to be quiet before him and allow him to speak.